Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. Yep, 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 ooh, yep, yep. Is it? Ooh. Oh, wait. I know that. That's from something. Hmm. Who is it? Hmm. Telephone, telephone. Mm, you're close. Who no. is it? Oh. Who is, is it? it? It's, not, it's not Animal House. No. Uh, give me a hint. Who is it? <laughs> That's not a hint. That's just saying it again. <laughs> it's the plumber. Uh, it's the plumber. Uh, uh, and Chong? <laughs> no. Who is it? Once again, Chong. It's the plumber. Okay. All right. I've come to fix the sink. Okay. All right. He's come to fix the sink. All right. Not, nothing? Um, nothing? I know. See, I know. I know it. It's tickling a part of my brain. Yeah. Yeah, I believe, I believe, don't hmm. quote me on this, but yeah. I believe that that is a little bit of a riff from the electric company. Oh, okay. Okay. The hmm. electric company, banana. They got the power. The electric company. That's that, right. That was so exciting. Rita Moreno, huh? Oh, uh, hmm. Morgan Freeman. That's where he got his start. Morgan Freeman, Spider-Man. That's where Spider-Man got his start. Yeah, that's right. That was the first debut of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Spidey? Yep, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I believe that's what it is. I believe that who is it? It's the plumber I've come to fix the sink is from, uh, is from, I know that's the, all the words. That's all the words. I've just done the entire bit for okay. you. Okay. All right. Uh, I believe I'll, I'll that's find out, I'll find out more. Might be Sesame Street, but I don't think so. It's a little bit edgier. You know, Electric Company was a little bit edgier. Yes, it was. Uh, it was the it, Wii magazine to. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. You went a different Playboy. direction. I, I was going to say like the way that uh, there's like uh, th this also happened with National Geographic magazines. There was World, and then I don't know uh, other ones, not Omni. But there's also one like where uh, where you, you graduate. They want to give you a you know a, a, a pathway, a runway, a tunnel for growth. And I think Electric Company they said, what if uh, what if Sesame Street but older. What if Sesame Street, but a little older? That's right. What do we do with the kids that are that are nine years old? That they're 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 not going to want to watch uh, somebody learn to count and spell. No, now you but age out of the system, you know, and now you're out on the streets. They want to see Spider Man. They want to see some, you know. Or in the case of Wee Magazine, it's like Penthouse is showing a little bit of uh, a little bit more, uh, if you know what I mean. I, what are okay. we going to do? Sorry, you know I've lost a lot Playboy, of my whistle. Uh, I I need your guidance on this because I do remember Penthouse and I do remember Wee, but in my head I think I have them backwards. So Playboy would show yes. boobies and review stereos, and they had the funny cartoons. And then right. so like then Penthouse comes along and they're showing you a little bit what's happening down in the basement. Well, yeah, I think that Playboy had started to move toward you know a little bit of, a little peekaboo down mm. there, but Pen Penthouse was more. Well, I'm talking about like. Yeah, sixty by sixty-eight. They were showing you <laughs> sixty-eight. Come they back. were, you know, they were showing you butts at least. Oh, they right? show you but butts, but like they'll show you, they'll show you a little bit of the uh, the foliage, but they're not going to get real deep into the picture plant. If you know what I mean. That's the thing. And and penthouse uh, people were uh, uh, some of the some of the uh, comely models were were um, were not keeping their knees together. Right, and then uh, Larry Flint came along with some oh, Hustler, oh, which was a lot more. Before uh, that, you would only see uh, your own poop, not big poops. Other people had taken and sent in a, a Polaroid of. Oh dear, 
Uh, but right. also, so we is we was was it less racy or more racy than Penthouse? Uh, well, so we uh, we was supposed to be for sophisticated younger gentlemen. So as far as I remember, they all reviewed stereos. Maybe Hustler didn't. Bottom, Hustle, but, leave, I want to come back to Hustler and I want to get to Cherry and variations, yeah. but for now, let's focus on we, and just for, for the younger listeners, that's uh, the French word for yes, O-U-I. That's right. And we, we, for unlawful carnal knowledge is what it was. 5150. It's, we was actually, I think, I only learned this recently, a Playboy spinoff. Playboy. Oh, oh you're right. I, like, you know what? I had it totally double backwards. We was their response to Penthouse. At yes, Playboy. that's what it was. That's they were what like, it look, was. because I think I think somebody at Playboy was like, look, we don't want to get into like a like a um, like a Beaver X uh, like <laughs> Beaver Cold of, War. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're gonna show, so we got to show, and then pretty yeah. soon Playboy is like, uh, it's just as bad as the rest because we are reviewing high quality scotch over here. We're talking about what it's like to be a like a guy that owns a a Jensen Interceptor, and hmm. uh, we don't want to get into that whole. You can get a double spread of a guy smoking menthols listening to his Fisher stereo out on the uh, patio. But I think what we was was like a little bit – I don't think they were quite like a cross between Playboy and High Times. But they definitely – by the late 70s, I remember they had started to kind of wink and nod at marijuana. Mm. Uh, but, the you know, the girls were, were – yeah, they were more fun. They were less – I mean, they were all the – all the, all the great girls, fun. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're all fun. Let's let's. Sure. There's no, they never had a photo shoot where they you don't get in a magazine without downer. being fun. I know. Maybe it's possible, John, that I only ever saw one issue of We Magazine, but I feel like it had a lot more ladies in pools than the than the Playboy uh, actual. My friend Aaron Kinneman, his mother, I always thought of her as divorced, but when I but I also have a simultaneous memory of Aaron's mother's husband. I remember Aaron taking me into his parents' bedroom. Although if Aaron's mother was married and Aaron's dad was in the house, I have only the vaguest recollection of him. And he kind of looks like Mark Ruffalo. And I think I remember meeting him. Mark Ruffalo with a mustache. I remember meeting him once, maybe, but it could have been not him. It, 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 his father yeah, could I know, have died I noticed you're being, in, perhaps in a not dissimilar way to the way you talk about your baby's mother, your daughter's mother. I notice here that, like, and this, this really reflects the age, the times, John, is we don't, yes. we, you can't say things that you have to, you have to disambiguate, as we say on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, parentage, marriage relationships, we magazine, these are all things that now we have to kind of decouple. And so when somebody says partner, time was, you say somebody's your partner, it meant you were in business together. It's your, as they say, entrepreneurs, we. Right. And, and now, to, and uh, uh, Alan Z, now today, now you got a whole situation. So the guy who lived there was not his uh, paterfamilias. He was, he was his mother's husband. Is that correct? I don't know. Uh, Some people just seem divorced, and I want to honor that. There are people who just seem like they're always divorced. I feel like she, well, so first of all, she drove a Mustang. 
a uh, sec- type two, a type two, a type. No, no, no. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a Pinto Mustang. She drove like a 1971 Mustang. So it was like, oh, a, like Mach a fastback two, maybe a Mach or like two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, and, uh, she was younger than my mom. She had, she, she tried to sell Tupperware. She tried to sell, uh, she, she did all the pyramid schemes. Oh, she got that. Mary she got Kay. that. She got that side hustle. You're saying she got some side. She hustle. had a side hustle. I don't remember what mm-hmm. she did for a living, but but she w- played a very prominent role in my life. Aaron's mother, I remember very clearly, and you know I liked her. Aaron's mother may have been the first adult that I made laugh that wasn't in my family. Well, I remember this sitting. Is, does this proceed just so I can get my chronology straight? I write all this down. This precedes Bob's mom, who lived in an NPR bookcase. Oh, this is years before. I'm talking about okay. when I was eight, eight, seven, eight years old. Oh, the, the formative uh, years. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember. I remember standing in her kitchen when I was eight, probably, and making her laugh in such a way. We were standing around talking, and. I was making her laugh and she wasn't saying like, okay, you kids get back to playing or whatever. I've got work to do. Like she was like hanging out. She sounds like a cool mom. Tell me more. She Mm -hmm. was, I mean, she smoked and she, uh, but she was a little, she was, uh, I don't want to say that she drank, but she got a little bit, she, she could come unhinged sometimes, you know, Mm. Aaron, she had Aaron and, and Angie and, they were they were a handful, mm. you know. Aaron and Angie both are uh, an example of kids our age who have never been on the internet, as far as I can tell. I look for Aaron periodically, and no sign of him. Like not even a not e- all those sites that are like, are you looking for? It's like he doesn't even show up in the phone book, and I don't. Right, right. Sometimes you'll find people who who were on the internet, and you can find it sometimes in like archives on you know bulletin boards or Usenet or something like that. But then there are some people that just they don't have any kind of a digital footprint. It's it's very suspicious to me. It's weird, and part of the problem is I don't um, I don't exactly know how to spell his last name. It's one of those last names that could have. Every single vowel is interchangeable with another vowel. It's Kinnaman. So it's like mm-hmm. K-I-N-N-I-M-I-N. You know, like I, if you put every, any vowel in there and it's like, I don't yeah. know. You know, like people show up. He'd have to be 53 probably now. Anyway, um, I his under his parents slash mother's bed Aaron took me in there one time and there was a Wii magazine or maybe a couple under her side of the bed no it was connected in my it's connected in my memory to this Mark Ruffalo looking character Mm -hmm. that uh, was Aaron's dad now Aaron's dad might have been a like a like a like some kind of oil worker who was never home. Long haul trucker. Mm-hmm. Long haul trucker. If he'd been a long haul trucker, I would have known because my babysitter's uh, husband, Alice's husband, uh, was a long haul trucker, and he okay. kept his rig parked in the front of the uh, of the house where my sister and I were babysatted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this we came out uh, from under the bed. And we're talking 75 at this point. So when I was seven, maybe. And 
it was before I'd seen a Playboy. I knew what a Playboy was, but the weed. I mean, was that's the almost first. like cornflakes or Kleenex or Frigidaire. You know yeah. what I mean? I forget. There's probably a ro- proper name for that, but it's like that. M- magazines with boobs. So, something a nim, something a nim, uh, a porn, porn, porn. You won't say porn, but an adult it's a something nim. It's an adult mm-hmm. a nim for adult things. Classy, I, real classy. I realized then that I, I think that was when I think it was Aaron that said "we" is French for yes. So I understood that it was mm. foreign and exotic, and you know there were girls in swimming pools, there were stereos, there were things that I couldn't even imagine. And I associate this moment also with the song fired our guns but the british kept it coming mm-hmm. battle of, battle of new orleans i don't know wh- i don't know why it must have been playing mm-hmm. on the on on someone's transistor radio a, coming a, a in person will kitchen. imprint on that for shizzle yeah yeah i so i i have a picture of i have a i have a mental image of aaron and myself in his mother's and Mark Ruffalo's bedroom <laughs> yeah. pouring over these wees while the battle of new Orleans plays in the background. <laughs> there wasn't as many as there was a while ago. <laughs> That's right. And, um, and it's all, and it, it all like dovetails with this. It, it's so much the seventies. So the battle of new Orleans was a 1972 song. Okay. And was it by someone called Johnny something? Yeah, Johnny Horton. Johnny Horton. Hmm. But I don't think it was that early in my life. I would have been, I would have been four. And I don't that I I didn't meet Aaron. I mean, I think I might have met Aaron that year. Could I be having? Could I remember mm-hmm. an event from 1972? Because you know how yeah. radio was then. Radio, it's not like radio now where the Battle of New Orleans is going to be on the radio in, you know, four years later. Like what was on the radio was on the radio, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's an early version of, you know, what's in the show. You're absolutely right. <laughs> right? There was, there, there, I mean, like with the exception of perhaps uh, especially features like an oldies hour, like the idea of, you know, you hear a radio station today, the joke becomes something like the best of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond. And you're like, well, let's just all the songs for 50 years, <laughs> right? But right, you're right, you're was, right. What you hear, you, especially on AM, which mostly was what radio was when we were youngsters, would be, um, would be, you know, just uh, whatever was on the charts. Yeah, th- w- this would have been AM radio of the 70s. It would have been just the, it would have been the top, top 20 or top 40, right? Top 40 radio is what it was. We Magazine, I just sent you some moist ladies on the cover of We Magazine. It, it appears that we started, I want to, it looks like uh, maybe 1972, I want to say. Yeah. All right, I'll ruin yeah. my browser history. Here we go. Okay. 72. Hmm. So is it possible that I'm like, that I, that, that I am, the reason that Mark Ruffalo is in Mrs. Kinnaman's bedroom is that he left to the picture in 1972 or three and i was friends oh, you with said Aaron, he went out for cigarettes was, and would yeah. left, left nothing but a but a wet wee yeah le- le- left the left the the smell of winston's and a wet wee mm. and mrs kinnaman dying to laugh 
uh, and her, and maybe that's why she got into selling Tupperware on the side. And her, well, you see, the side hustle comes out of like she's looking for new opportunities, but she also needs to put some we on the table. She, she, well, sure, it's out there. Yeah, these don't buy themselves. Uh, Mr. Kinnaman, October seventy two. Yeah, October seventy two. So I might remember Mr. Kinnaman that faintly because I met him at the very beginning of my relationship with Aaron. We never talked about him again because that was his last. That was his last day. Mm. Is like maybe maybe he he uh, he left Aaron all of his car parts and a couple of wees. <laughs> he didn't have the money, or he would have gotten rid. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, so we, I am, I, I definitely imprinted on we, and then many years later, my high school girlfriend's older sister married a guy who was older than we were all. Like she was two years older than we were, Kelly and Kelly and. Her name's Peggy, and Peggy was two years older than Kelly and I. But Peggy married a guy that was like 10 years older, mm-hmm. which at the time was astonishing, right? Just like, how is this possible? Well, he was 30, and she was 22 or something, you know? Yeah, my, my, not grandparents, that, my grandparents were 12 or 13 years apart. Yeah, my parents were 14 years apart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know when i was when i was 20 or 22 it was just like what is happening peggy and he was a, he was and is cuz they're still married a great dude just one of these guys that kind of has done everything already at 30 mm. sort of you know sort of has a a real way about himself he can hang out with 22 year olds in a comfortable way but he also feels like the older brother you always wish you had oh and he, um i could have used a guy yeah, like he was that a, in my life well me too and it was i i was sad that it came when I, it was a little late by the time I was 20, I was like, you know, where were you when I was 15 and I needed yeah, somebody no to tell me. Yes. Yes. But at one point he, he had a house in, he was living in some little house out in Mountain View. And when he and Peggy were getting married, he was like, I got to straighten up, fly right. And we're going to live somewhere else. And he, he came down out of the attic and he had a cardboard box and he, and it was full of, like seventies wheeze. And he was like, do you want these old wheeze? Oh, come on. And I said, do That's I dream. want those old wheeze? Oh, Jesus Christ. So he gave me this box of wheeze and it was, this would have been 1991, 1991. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And these wheeze were from 75, 76. And they were already so they had they had at that point two, they were absolutely valued on two separate valuation scales. One valuation scale was that they were porn, and and porn has its own value. Mm-hmm. And this was this was uh, by 1991 standards not racy porn at all. It was it Which was also get a free time cap free time capsule. That was the other valuation, right? Oh Even God, in 1991, yes. that much access to not just the not just 1976 as represented in the ads in Time Magazine, but 1976 as represented in the ads and articles and style of we, which was looking at it as a 21 year old, it was it blew my mind. Every every issue, I poured over them. 
mm-hmm. because aesthetically- I, I would just look, I, I have several anecdotes about this that I'll share in a minute, but one thing I would always do when I was done masturbating privately is, is I would just privately, pour over one ad because there was a look, there was the super saturated look of the ads and the way they were printed. And you're, of course, like on an intellectual level, you're like, wow, it's, it's even when you're young, you think like, this is stuff where people bought ads to reach men who, who buy magazines to masturbate. And, and then like, who's, who's your target demo? And I would just, just look over every square inch. And I'd read that book in high school, that now debunked book called, shoot, what's it called? Vance Packard was the guy's name, but it was the one about like, they put sexual images and pictures of vice cubes and Sprite ads. I think it's seduc- seduce, oh, seduction. Oh, that- sure. Uh, oh, I Here's a woman that. fucking a dog in the camel or whatever. Yeah, you the, know? Ca- the, ca- the, the camel's face is a giant penis. That was later, but yeah, same deal. And it was very, it was very, I think it led to the my naked interest. The society, in- the hidden persuaders. That might be it. And I think it led to, in some ways, to my continuing to masturbate, but also to the notion of like the way I would read way too much into everything. And that kind of led to my major in college. Like doing like deconstructions and you know what I mean and all like semiotic yes. like like you read something like um you know the the short story Saracen and like there's all the the signification and what it means and look at this triangle that's formed by the way your eye travels and there's a woman in the foreground and a woman in the background and 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 the cigarette looks like a dick and he's got a Fisher stereo right like you're you yes. could just look at one of those the same way you would look at like a Mondrian or something not a Mondrian but maybe like a, you know like a Monet you would like hmm. you transfixed by what's happening in this. Yeah, that's you. That was our whole Adbusters trip too. Except it, then it got less. We were less subtle. By Adbusters times, it was just like yeah, it was much. That's what we start culture jamming. Turns from a noun into a verb. So did you have? Did did you have access to seventies porn in the nineties? Gosh, you know it's funny to to call it porn. None dare call it porn. But right. but uh, so here's here's just real quick without without you know too much hopefully too much personal detail but but you know once you were aware and interested in whatever was happening with you know the other the the, the ladies sure, you, sure you started sure. you started noticing things and maybe that's like you notice like you're a little bit more interested in Catwoman than, than you'd like to be or or it could also be that you know they accidentally say bring a Victoria's Secret catalog to your house and then maybe that goes uh, under your bed right. And, but right. like it became, it was understood that like like beer and uh, naked ladies were the most coveted things in some ways. I can't wait to turn eighteen and then nineteen, um, eighteen for for, for for boobs and and uh, you know nineteen for uh, for beer. But yeah, it was first of all this has been covered in other places, like an episode of You Look Nice Today. But there's always there's a phenomenon that what I would just call woods porn. And I don't know oh, why. Oh, sure, of course. The porn you find in the woods. The porn you find in the woods. Every boy has found porn in the woods. And let's mm-hmm. be honest, the kind of woods porn is usually as pretty as they say, uh, you know, uh, on the other side of the pond, pretty rough trade. You get into some mm. pretty crazy stuff. You might have some empty mm. clowns. There's not going to be as many ads for menthol cigarettes. It's going to be more like, you know, uh, penis extenders and, you know, uh, apologies. But, but yeah, yeah, and you would find it and it'd be swollen. And stuck together. Mm-hmm. They'd be swollen mm-hmm. three times that day. Big size. But then, okay, cut to the chase. My pal's mm-hmm. dad had, now, now let's fast forward to being 15. And my, my right. best pal's dad had a secret stash. Oh, sure. That's where, I, that's where I believe, so he had some 
Where did really, you, you know, I think men go through phases for what they acquire and keep. And he had a lot of 75 to 77 Playboy magazines. Sure. sure and sure, it was, sure. it was the Holy Grail. It was like, it was fun to hang out and drink Mountain Dew and play D&D and work on the TN 994A. But also we knew that at some point we were going to be busting into the, into the cash. You know what I'm saying? Where, where, where was the stash? If you, if you don't mind never, me asking, if you can say it, now. Yeah, his parents uh, shared a, a, a beautiful. They were in this very old house that used to be owned by movie stars of all things, uh, in uh, in Newport Ritchie. Uh, well, technically Newport Ritchie, but owned by movie stars uh, in a different time. It was a beautiful yeah. big house, and they had a shared bedroom with a giant bed. And I, th- I want to say it was in a drawer. I think they were in a dresser drawer underneath some folded clothes, and there weren't a lot of them. Sure, but just then, enough. Thing is, guess what? Your your kids, you get nothing to do. Eventually, we used our intuition to realize, huh, if these are here, maybe we should keep looking. And we found oh. a box in the garage teeming with Playboy magazines. Really? Mm-hmm. I think I might. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you're so scared to get caught at something like that. But I, you know, I eventually did acquire some of my own. Which yeah, I kept, yeah, sure. Well, which, which I kept, porn, as, I, right? as I said on that episode of You Look Nice Today, which I kept with a nearly full bottle of Jack Daniels in the access panel for our bathtub, which was through my closet. And it was the <laughs> tiny room where I kept the person I thought I wanted to be. Oh, well done. Well <laughs> yeah. done. Eventually, I discovered Shannon Tweed, as you do. But uh, but no, that was it, and it really it really messed me up. Uh, not messed me up. I mean, it was amazing. It was. I mean, yeah. it's one thing to sit there and look at the Sears catalog. It's another thing. Yeah, I mean, this is a different time. Give, give us a break here. But you know, when you're a boy and you got the hormones, and there's just pictures of pictures of girls, and they're smiling, and their and their boobs are out, and they're wearing cowboy boots. Come on, I'm not made I, of stone, I found, John. I found two separate caches of woods porn. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting macweldon.com slash R-O-T-L. Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Their products are great and their site is really easy to use. I use it all the time. I, I'm happy to say I'm a huge fan of theirs. Mac Weldon believe that their stuff will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you'll ever wear. And they offer a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, a good thing to eliminate uh, as regards clothes. And they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you with no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too, good for working out, going to work, going on dates, uh, everyday life. I like it for recording podcasts. And then going home after I record podcasts, I'm wearing Mack Weldon right now. What can I say? You know, the folks at Mack Weldon have even created their own totally free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level one gets you free shipping for life. And once you reach level two by spending $200, Mack Weldon will start giving you 20% off every order for the next year. Nothing wrong with that. Like I say, I'm a big fan of Mack Weldon. I'm wearing this stuff right now. I love their uh, Tech Cashmere long sleeve shirt, their 18-hour jersey crew neck undershirt. And you know one that I mentioned recently on an episode of the talk show that I learned about from my friend John Gruber? The One Mile Slipper. These things are amazing. I I don't know what to tell you. They're super cozy, but they're also, they've got like a soul. And so they're kind of structural, you know, a soul, like a human being. 
uh, and they're really great. And now they're back in stock after John and I kind of sold them out, I think, a while back. But you can go pick those up. They are the best, the one-mile slipper. Um, so please go right now. You go to MacWeldon.com slash ROTL, just like it sounds. And you can get 20% off your order by using the promo code ROTL. That's MacWeldon.com slash ROTL. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash ROTL. That was a long song. They can just have that. It's a freebie. 20% off your order. You know, uh, seriously, our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. And they both, <laughs> they, they happened at, at pivotal moments. The first cache of Woods porn I found was, I was, I was with a friend. We were playing in the woods, the literal woods, next to the elementary school where I went to school. Not a woods I normally played in. And the friend was like, you want to see something? And I was like, yeah. Sure. He said, there's a tree house. And we went down and what was weird about this was it was right by the elementary school and it didn't, the property didn't seem like it was associated with a, with someone's home. It was like, it was a weird kind of woods in between a school and a neighborhood, but there was a fully fledged tree house, uh, like climb up on a, on a wooden ladder, like proper treehouse with windows and everything. It wasn't just a platform. And we climbed up into the treehouse, and it was already a cool treehouse. And then he was like, "Check it out!" And he lifted up a uh, a, a uh, piece of plywood because a lot of woodsborn is under a piece of plywood. <laughs> and here was it's not hidden; it's concealed. <laughs> it's concealed. And here was this like probably five playboys under a. Uh, under this piece of plywood and they were playboys from the sixties, mid sixties. Oh man. So this is pre pubic hair playboys. Yep. Where the girls all had high socks and uh, pigtails or whatever, or they were, you know, they were busy chewing on a pencil eraser cause they were thinking about math. You know, they were, yeah. and it was, it, when it was largely articles and, and ribald comics and all these <laughs> And I felt like this was, I, I, we both sat there and kind of, and studied them and it felt like this was some kind of sacred temple. Like you mean these playboys are just here, like no one's guarding them. And I think my friend encouraged me to take one, which I felt was. And just to be clear, these are playboys, right? Playboys. Okay. Or like 1965 Playboys. Oh, man. Play, like there was an article about Sean Connery, you know, uh, as James Bond. Ugh. Um, Like the new Mustang, that kind of thing. And, uh, and I remember feeling like if I took one, it was kind of defiling the temple. But at the same time, because I wasn't a stealer, I'd, I'd never shoplifted. I didn't steal. Mm-hmm. And so also, I you don't want to break like, up the collection. You know what I mean? Well, and also like that was during a time when if you were in the woods in a treehouse, you assumed that an older boy was watching you or a gang of older boys was were watching you. Well, it's like a hundred trap for you, youths. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, as soon as you mm-hmm. did something wrong, uh, they were going to spring their trap on you. Yes. Yes. And what I didn't want to do is, you know, take a playboy and then come down and find a bunch of teenagers there who were like, you failed the test. That's no good. Mm-hmm. But I did take a Playboy mm. and, you know, and it became like, uh, I don't know if I could, I don't know if it's memorized, 
Um, oh, because one thing I did was later after I'd had it for a little while, I became worried it was going to be discovered because I think I kept it between the mattress and the, and the box spring. And of course this is before I had learned to masturbate. I wasn't masturbating to this. Yeah. This was four years before I masturbated. It was just, it was just a thing that I would take out and study. Absolutely. I mean, and it's I, like, it's, a, I mean, Lee, I, like I was aware of like what this motion means. Like, uh-huh, that's something that, you know, mm-hmm, right, right. But it wasn't until I kind of just, just discovered it on my own as though I had just basically, I don't know, discovered oxygen or at least mm-hmm. beryllium. I discovered mm-hmm. something something that was very important and, let's be honest, elemental. And then you're like, oh, that's what this is for. Like, but even then, it's so shameful. I mean, but it's one thing like to be, as you're saying here, like you're just a student. You're just a curious student. And I'd had exposure to playboys like in the pile with the newspapers at, at, a, at a guy's house when i was a kid and we would just look at the cartoons and and yeah. we would make we would make jokes and laugh it's when you get to the point where you look at porn alongside your friends and you're silent that you know things are getting serious yeah things are going to get serious but i but you know the older class- youth the only older youth saying what are you doing with that like that you could get in trouble you would certainly be what one imagines mocked i made a i made a massive error an error i i I think I learned from, which was at a certain point, I felt like the naked pictures in this otherwise uh, seemingly normal magazine, mm-hmm. the naked pictures and the comics did not belong in this magazine. The magazine and the naked pictures needed to be separated. And the naked pictures <clears throat> then hmm. could be a much smaller number of pages that could be kept over here. Uh, like the way you got your, you, when you were a youth, you had the World Book Encyclopedias, right? And it goes A to Z. And in each year you have, I forget what it's called, but you have an update, like the year. Mm-hmm. The, the, the yearbook. The, the, yearbook, the yearbook. And it's like the year in 1972. And that's all the things. And you say, well, Uzbekistan's different now and, and so forth. You could do that with, yeah. with, you could say like, here's a thin, here's a thin folio with a plain cover that's got some ladies in it, but then over here you got some cartoons and stuff and that's an, and, and Fisher stereos kind of. Yeah. But it, it, it's kind of like if you had an Altoids box and it was full of emeralds and rubies and diamonds and gold nuggets. And you said, I think that the gold nuggets belong in a different, smaller bag. Okay. Cause they're worth, they're different from diamonds and rubies and emeralds. They're not a precious stone in that way. They're a different, they're a different thing. They belong over here. Mm-hmm. And you would go through your Altoids box full of gems and you would just <laughs> take all the gold out and put it in a separate, smaller little container. So that was the vision I had as a fourth grader, uh, that I was going to, that I was going to take the naked pictures and separate them. But the mistake I made was that I took a pair of scissors and I thought, I'm going to cut these pictures out of the magazine, not rip the page. Oh, out. not like get an exacto and make a slice. You're no, saying snip, snip, snip. It. And you're like, you're like, um, you're like the guy in, uh, in polyester where you can make, make your own sort of bespoke scrapbook of ladies. Right. Mm-hmm. But I started with the first page of Naked Ladies, cut out the <clears throat> four pictures that were on it mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. turned the page and realized that I had cut, I had cut apart <sighs> the four pictures that were on the other side. You can't finish your all, Sean Connery interview now. 
Well, it was all, it was, I had made a huge hash of it because, oh, no. because the, the part of me that wants things to be in a certain order, <laughs> not only had I ruined the pictures that were on the other side of the page, but now when I had those pictures that were cut out, if I flipped them over, they were like, there was another picture on the other side, but it was, it was mutilated. I had cut across her face or across her boob or whatever. And just the fact that the backside of these pictures was a ruined picture meant that I couldn't really fully appreciate the front side of the picture. Classic Roderick. Because it, it had something wrong with it. It yeah, had a, yep, 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 yep. it had a fatal flaw. Uh. So I learned my lesson. Don't do that. Uh-uh. Um, and I think, I think it was only because those playboys had so few naked pictures relative to the rest of their content. Mm-hmm. Later on, as we got older, those wees you were sending me later. Um, oh, Merlin's been sending me pictures of wees and, and playboys. Sean Connery, and Sean Connery, subliminal seduction, dog fucking in an ice cube, la la la. Later on, later on those. Now tell me where the dog fucking is happening in this ice cube. Oh, okay. So what I, what I found the book. So Vance, I do remember the name oh. Vance Packard. This is so I, I had this book in high school. It's called subliminal seduction. And what right. is very likely to be the show art for this episode is a photo of a glass, like a Two old, ice. kind of an old fashioned. Well, yeah, but yeah. But the cover of the book is like an old fashioned ish glass with some ice cubes in it right. and lemon. You can probably find it on show notes for this episode, roderickonline.com. And, and the thing was, this guy's deal was they're putting sexy stuff and pervert stuff inside of images. And then that makes you buy it. So right. like, I'm pretty sure there's some dog fucking in some of these. Forgive my saying, this I don't is, mean to get salty in- here. This is down in the bottom left corner in that ice cube. There is someone on their knees and there's a dog on them. Let me go look. Is I got to zoom what in his, on this. Let's see. That's what his image is. But yeah. there's also the letter F and Oh, yeah. You get a lot things. of that. You, I mean, like, this is like real some QAnon level shit in some ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're, uh, oh, God, what's that great word? I keep forgetting this phrase I learned from Ted Lasso. I think it's called, uh, was it semantic satiation or, but it's like where words become meaningless because you say them over oh, and right. over. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, and and yeah. with this, like, the thing is, you know, what did they say when I was a kid? If you if you stare in the mirror long enough, you'll see a monkey, right? If right. you so you could if you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this this guy at his word, and I'm going to really spend some time. Oh, there's a guy with a boner. I think that's what it is. Do you see the? Well, boner there's always man? a guy with a boner. Where is the boner man? I see. Okay, I'm gonna send this to you. So basically, you see a little silhouette of a man. I see a little scaramouche, scaramouche. Have you got a big boner? Go, go look at that, and you gotta zoom in a little bit. Forgive my asking. The man standing. It looks kind of like. So let's look at this. You've got like a fun late '70s Brando in an open shirt with a gut, standing on a lemon peel. And he's got a pretty good hog. He's got a fair amount of length, but oh, he's sure, got a lot of girth. Sure. Do you see? Do you see the Brando on the? Yeah, on the sure. He's a, he's a he's a fat guy with a with a yes. with a boner. Well, he's yeah. he's stout. He's riding, I can't make a little more dialogue lemon. today. I have to go stand on a lemon. He's riding. He's riding a lemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's riding. The, riding the lemon party. Okay. On the on the other one, we you should sent start me. the show. <laughs> <laughs> On the other one, it really looked like, uh, looked to me. Yeah, like, the two ice cubes me- in the glass. Yeah. Do you remember Catherine O'Hara in Beetlejuice? Do you remember when her sculptures came alive mm-hmm. and, uh, and the one was the minister who was going to marry Beetlejuice and, I'm sorry, I only said it once, and Winona Ryder? 
Oh, is it not Wayne Shaddix a, though? He's the he's like the expert. He's like the no. It the, was it was like the minister that was maybe it maybe was the fireplace. Okay, like something kind of came down and was like, I now pronounce you that. You know, there was some weird <laughs> uh, thing, and I think one of the ice cubes in that picture reminds me of that the okay, minister okay. from Beetlejuice. I'm gonna find out more That's about a, this. A, Minister from Beetlejuice. Okay. Subliminal seduction. Um, oh, well, this is from an article in Psychology Today. Uh, subliminal seduction gets a second glance. A new respectability. Oh, God. Psychology Today, really? Tell me about the ice cubes. Are there boners in the ice cubes? Look, command F for cube. Again, he's riding the, the lemon. He's riding the, he's riding the lemon. He's riding the lemon. And so I guess the notion was, and forgive me, it's been, you know, 30 years since I read this mighty tome. But if memory serves, the idea was if we put dog fucking or Brando boner on a lemon, la la la, we put that out there, you fucking perverts are going to buy buy a magazine and maybe some stereos, you know, and certainly yeah, yeah. certainly some Sprite. I, 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 this could be Sprite or this could be, this could be a gin and tonic. Do you put a lemon slice in gin and tonic? I feel like you probably do. I don't. Quinine. Oh, you know what it is? Hmm. There are people that believe that, uh, that a lemon twist in a martini is, uh, is a, a different degree of sophistication over an olive. Yeah, it's one of those gift versus gif things. Pe- people people yes. get real wound up about that. If it's got vodka in, it's not a martini. If Marlon Brando's in your glass, that's weird because he's dead, but the boner right, survives right. to this day. But he's got a boner. Why is he riding a lemon? This, this, we'll was, never the, know. this was the end of the river, all right. My second <laughs> batch of woods porn, though. <laughs> was, it's a shame this will never air because this is really good. <laughs> was... <laughs> Even more formative. Okay. I had been, so I was 15. My dad had, had, uh, allowed me to go teach myself the car, but now <laughs> go practice the car. Now that I knew the car, now I had to pass my mom. I had to get past my mom and my mom had, you know, her standards, my dad's standards are like, can you drive it? Mm-hmm. My mom's standards are like, a lot. They were a lot more m- meticulous. Mm. And my mom ended up actually enrolling me in a driving class that was six <laughs> months long. I never and thought the, this would happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Holus Bolus Winery. You can learn more about Holus Bolus right now by visiting. TheJoyFantastic.com. Say it out loud. It feels good to say. TheJoyFantastic.com. Holus Bolus makes independent wines for independent people. Yeah, you're a person. You're independent. You know, boom, wine. They don't have any investors or some gigantic factory operation. Nuh-uh. The Holus Bolus octopus that you see on their label is just the forearms and four legs of Amy and Peter, a husband and wife team who love wine, know wine, and want everyone's wine to be delicious and made by actual human beings, not the product of spreadsheets and corporate meetings. And when they say this is wine made by people, it really is just Peter and Amy farming five acres of their vineyard, the Joy Fantastic. It really is from their farm to your table, presumably, you know, via a bottle, but, you know, fair. Everything Holus Bolus has done has been built over time, just the two of them. They reinvested whatever profits they've made over the years back into the winery until they could finally plant their own vineyard back in 2014. And you can be assured that they know their stuff because Amy is a master of wine. And, uh, you know, of the 409 masters of wine on the entire planet, right? Only 52 of them are in the United States. And of those, only 18 are women. High five, Amy, way to represent. Holus Bolus uses high-quality grapes from cool climates 
and they are certified organic by the CCOF. Every grape in every bottle is grown in Santa Rita Hills and Santa Maria Valley, California. Whether you go with Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, or Syrah, it's all great stuff. And just to just be clear here, they have two labels, right? One is named after the vineyard, the Joy Fantastic, and the other is named after the winery, Holus Bolus. I'm learning so much from Holus Bolus. Holus Bolus. Holus Bolus wines are naturally made using native yeasts, so they are vegan. No animal products are used, period. All of their wines are bottled with low levels of sulfur. And uh, and just just as a reminder here, uh, you know, they sent me some of this wine, and um, uh, my lady and I uh, cracked into some of the Holus Bolus Syrah Franc de Pied 2018. So freaking good. We drank it up good, yum, all gone, need to get more, will do. Not a wine guy, but, you know, I'm going to give me some more Holus Bolus. Not least because I love the octopus, and, uh, you know, I I like saying Holus Bolus. So, you know, do me a favor. Go. These are nice people. Go head over to thejoyfantastic.com to learn more, and you can order something for yourself or maybe for a loved one, maybe for the holidays, or just because you could always use a better bottle on the table. Get a better bottle. You know what I'm saying? Try one wine. You can get their Joy Fantastic three-packs, or you can join the wine club for either label. You know, if you like that cool octopus on the label, you can grab it on a t-shirt. You can just get that, thejoyfantastic.com. <laughs> One Club members get 15% off every order, but Amy and Peter are giving our listeners that same generous discount through December 31st of this year. All you have to do is visit thejoyfantastic.com and use our very special offer code, Roderick15, one word, Roderick15. Use that at checkout, and, uh, and, and that's going to uh, get you 15% off. Not too shabby. Uh, you know, uh, these are really nice folks, and I really appreciate their support here. Um, uh, congratulations uh, to Amy and Peter on, on making, you know, uh, making wine and, and choosing a cool octopus. Our thanks to Holus Bolas for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. It does sound a little <laughs> like the beginning of Fat House Forum, whatever that is. Um, okay, so she gets you. That, so, John, John, here's that, the thing: you can learn all yeah. the kung fu, you know, uh, from Black Belt Magazine. You can get the kata with those Fred Astaire feet on the floor. You learn the kata. Hitting hitting the the punching bag man is not like getting jumped in an alley. These are different things. I think your mother understands. Uh, tell her I said hi. That when you're driving an automobile, you need a lot more than uh, the ability to start it and not crash for a minute. Right, and she was. Uh, in, in a way, absolutely right. Or I mean, I am um, I am very grateful because who mm-hmm. the driving teacher that I had in high school after he taught me to drive. Um, it was winter, kind of late winter. I was fifteen and a half, and he said, "Well, you're scheduled for five more lessons." Why don't we learn ev- some evasive maneuvers? No way. And it was, you is know, he, was, is, he, is he operating off the books? He has not run this by your mom. This is a different class. But it's like, it's like the thing where the chauffeurs learn how to like do, do donuts and get you out of situations, that kind of thing. Yeah. This was a class. He also taught the adult class of <laughs> advanced driving or something. And so what he did was we would go out. Uh, we would go out and there was this, there was this one stretch of road that he knew that was kind of in the warehouse district that was just sheet ice all winter. It was completely impassable. And we would haul ass down this road and then he would say, all right, slam on the brakes. And then the car would be out of control and he would say, here's what you do, you know, steer into it. All right. Don't touch the brakes. Like, Mm -hmm. like this, then that, like go like this. And he would just walk me through it as we were flying down the road. And I'd already been doing some of this work out at the airport in my dad's car. Yeah, when you practiced the car, right? You had a big, big, yeah. 
Yeah, that was a big that, but that was on an air that was on a runway mm-hmm. where the car. The whole point of it was to get the car spinning as as crazy as you could. Naturally, this this guy, my driving teacher, his whole thing was regain control. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so very we, it's very counterintuitive. That's how you end up screwing up when they say, you know, the thing that somebody says to you your whole life, you know, uh, steer into the into the curve or whatever. Like, it's not clear what that means until you try to do it, and then you're, you're doing it all wrong. This is, by the way, just in passing, what happened with Princess Diana, is that they were going on, the, like, the drunk guy driving, uh, her, she, and her lover, Dodi uh, Al-Fayed, the, he got, got, uh, got a little bit of air going at least, like, 60 miles an hour. He got air, and then he tried to recover he turned the wheel at while they were in midair, and that's how they they hit the column head on. You don't want to do that. That's, that's one a rookie of the things mistake. You don't, don't be don't be drunk if you're driving the princess. Don't be drunk. Don't you know? Really, what his, what his he thought he was off. He in fairness, he thought he was off for the day. They called him back at the last minute and said, "You got to get them uh, to from the, the the Ritz in Paris to the airport." You know, it's nobody's fault. Well, let's be honest. Also, yeah. there's a new there's a new episode there's a new season of The Crown that just came out. Oh, really? And uh, I, I'm sure it's all. I'm, sure it's I'm extremely <laughs> obsessed with it. I'm extremely obsessed. I know. Like I'm going to tell you something about uh, television that. Hey, Merlin, uh, no, guess what? Come on, The Crown just came out. I don't even own a hey, TV. You're like that was 17 oh, hours ago. Actually, same. Uh, Hodgman texted me yesterday, and he was like, "Hey, I might be a little late on this, but have you seen Ted Lasso?" Mm. I was like, it was the first time in my life I was able to text him back and be like, um, actually, <laughs> I watched the whole thing already. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was like, Merlin told me about it. Yeah. So, it, yeah, so your Merlin name got, told me about your, it. Your, your name got, got sent to, uh, back to, back to John and he Hodgman said, on and a he said, flaming who, crossbow bolt. Who is Merlin? Shaped like Ted Lasso. Uh, so, but this, but my driving teacher, you know, his, the first thing he said is never touch your brakes. If, when the car goes out of control, never touch your brakes. If you touch your this brakes. This is in the out. era pre, you know, the brakes we have now, which confuse me, where you, okay. your time was you pump the brakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and he, pump, when you say pump, to, they mean tap, 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 right? Pump, 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 pump. Now today you do that and it's all screwed up. What do you call anti-lock brakes? It's tap, tap, tap at like a super high speed for you, Correct. It's doing that on its own. That's right. Yes. You don't have to think about it because it's a nanny state we're living in now. Oh, Island, Jesus Christ. It beeps John. if you don't put your seatbelt on oh and it beeps if God. your trunk is unlatched. What if you want your trunk unlatched? That's no, no, my John, a mask, a mask is a muzzle and I'm a free man. What if you want to sit on a stakeout and yeah. open the door and not, and you can't just reach up and unscrew the light bulb anymore? Yeah. You can't even sit in a car with the key in the ignition without the, without the driving lights on. When my, How are you when my dad died, when my dad died, my mom got some insurance. She bought a 1975 Pontiac Catalina. And, oh, yes. and the first thing that she did was take it That's to- That's got the boat tail, right? Pontiac Catalina, 75, has got the they boat They weren't tail. as swoopy. First thing she did was take it into some, some kind of Samizdat- mechanic and had him disconnect the beep beep seatbelt sound oh really 75 was the early days for the beep beep seatbelt sound she said that's it no way turn that off i'm not gonna wear a seatbelt and i'm not gonna listen to this we uh oh is that is that the uh, when when did the boat tail come oh that was the one with the it's got the it's got the thing in the it's got the back window but it's not it wasn't the catalina i was thinking of some i was thinking of that i'm thinking of an oldsmobile when i think of that look but Anyway, nanny state. Oh, you know, so yeah. yeah. Well, we used what, what, to. What if I want to go flying into a colonnade? You know what I'm saying? Well, 
it used to be as easy as if you're running from the cops and you take a left, you mm-hmm. turn the lights off. You just turn the lights off. Your taillights go off as long as you don't touch your brakes. Oh, absolutely. You can you can disappear into the night, you know? But now you, you get that extra that light. Now you get to remember in the 80s, they added that extra light uh, back in your area where the Kleenex boxes go. So now you got that up there. Maybe where the board, kids are supposed to ride when you go on a road trip. Where the kids are supposed to ride. But the nanny state says, no, your, your children should be, should be wearing a belt. And a belt is really, it's a muzzle for your body. It is. It really is. I, I feel like nowadays that if you're driving an Audi and mm-hmm. you're running from the cops and you turn the lights off and go around a corner, that the Audi will actually send up a flare and flags will pop up that are like, over here, over here. They could probably, you know here. what, you probably don't, you may not know this. They can probably, cops probably have a button that can just stop an Audi now. <laughs> right? It's so a German car, right? right. German, Germans love following orders. Yeah. They can, yeah. they can stop the car remotely and they can probably listen to you through your, through your radio. <laughs> That's how the queen talks to me. Hello. <laughs> so you're not supposed to touch your, you're not supposed to touch the brakes, but this was my okay, mom's okay, program. Okay. And eventually when I had secured endorsement from, because by the time I got out of this driving class, I was pretty good for a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. But my mom had a 1972 Dodge Dart Swinger. <gasps> what the Daisy? And that, uh, the Daisy, the not, Daisy we, Dot in the eye, John, the, the, the car of my friend at whose house we found the Playboys, he had a Dodge Dart Swinger was his car. They had a Swinger? Hand of God, Daisy. He's got a Daisy for the eye. The Swinger is one of the great American cars. That's and the thing is, people car. underestimated. It was oh, it's a great car. It had, a, it had the, the, the uh, indestructible slant six. Mm. We loved this car. And they used it was to, You know, John, they the, used to build, build cars like a brick shit house. You know that? Mm. And this is right about the time, 72 was right about the time Wee they magazine. stopped building them like brick li- shit houses <laughs> Brick shit lickers. Because Wee Magazine made like America weak. <laughs> yeah, everything. That's right. That's right. It turned America into a bunch of masturbators and we stopped October making good October of 1972. You're out there in your daisy car jerking it so right to a lady in a pool. Yeah. And then four years later, yep. uh, Malays and Jimmy Carter, the hostage crisis. Jimmy Carter. Lose it. We lose. We lose everything. We lose. We lose. <laughs> but the you have the classic, classic pronunciation problems of a '70s onanist. <laughs> the the Dodge Dart Swinger. I'll tell you what it was not built to do is drive in Anchorage in the winter. Okay, fair. Because yep. it was already one of those American cars that when you got going a little bit, it kind of just like. Instead of instead of hunkering down on its wheels, it kind of floated up off of its wheels. It had one of those things where, as you're driving fast, you kind of got to keep that steering wheel steering steering wheel in motion because mm-hmm. because it's just like the car is just delicately tiptoeing across the ground at seventy miles an hour, like and if you did anything sudden, you realize that there was only about a quarter, um, like like a nickel sized portion of rubber from each I see what you're saying. touching the road. This is what makes motorcycles dangerous is you don't have too many square inches of uh, rubber on the road. And you're, you're yeah. saying here, this is, this is a very nice car, but it, it's not made for those kinds of, of conditions. No. And it had, you know, it had whatever that rack and pinion steering, where it's just sort of like, if you, when you turn the steering wheel, like one of the wheels moves and the other one kind of follows it. It was just like, Wee! <laughs> and she was super nervous about me driving that car. Cause it did have a, it did have power and I had spun it out with her in it once and buried it up to the door sills in snow. This was before I took the hot rod lessons. 
Um, and I, you know, and I was, I was cocky cause I'd been driving dad's Audi and I was like, I got this. And she was like, well, let's see. Audis are pretty stiff, driving. right? Audis are, I, my friend had an Audi when I drive. I remember thinking it was pretty stiff. Like, well, really dad's Audi, it was a diesel. It was made for the snow. That's mm-hmm. where they're from. They're, it's, yes. they're, it's, that's, you know, that they use every part of the Buffalo. Absolutely. That that's an old Bavarian proverb. Mm-hmm. Yep. But so I had, I had spun out this car. I buried it in the snow. She'd been like, you know, like slow shaking her head side to side, like, nope. And that was partly what precipitated the driving class. Well, when I finally had arrived at a place where my mom would say, okay, you can take the car out. Mm -hmm. I was, it was now the summer long after all of these other highfalutin adventures. And she had finally said, you know, you have a learner's permit and you will be 16 in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I will trust you to take the car briefly out on your own. Now, at this point, I'd been driving my dad's car for a year uh, and had actually, at one point, I don't know if I ever told you, but I, I my friend Kevin and uh-huh. his girlfriend, Christy, Christy's best friend was Maureen. I was crazy about Maureen. Although I also really you didn't know these like are, are girls with Irish names. It's, you know, it's a, it's a crazy culture. It was a, what a, what a great time for names though, because you had fifties names and you had proto eighties names and they were all just sitting, sitting alongside each other, like ladies with their feet in the pool. Maureen. The neighborhood I lived in was all either Catholic doctors. So they were all either Irish or Italian. And then there were the neighborhood right next door. They were all Norwegians who had immigrated directly to America without going through Nebraska or Minnesota. Interesting. They they, so they, they, were, they, uh, they, they, they clapped out of the upper Midwest. Yeah. They were like, huh. look, we're, you know, we want sure. to move to America, but we yeah, don't want that's, to. That's, how, know, that's like, how they talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did that vampire talk that they do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to burn your church. Hey, we want to come. And <laughs> Black metal rules. Blah, speed. blah. Uh, so I I'm knew Mads a lot Mickelson. of, <laughs> I knew anyway. a lot of girls, you know, named, uh, Norwegian names, you know, a lot of Yenny's and, and Flurgan's and yeah. And Durf. Kirsten's and Kirsten's and Kristen's, but also Christie's and Maureen's and, oh, and God, Ellie's Christy. and all these. Christy. But so Kevin and Christie wanted to double date with me and Maureen. And I was crazy about Maureen. She was, uh, she was uh, very seductive, but she also drove me crazy. She was one of those girls that would would she would taunt me. She was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you know, nice milk mustache, John," <laughs> and it just like she would just. But her 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 burns, her cut downs were like not that great. Mm-hmm. But they were. But you felt like there was real malice behind them at the same time. <laughs> so yes. Maureen was just like, I don't know, but like. She also, I don't know, there was just something about her where I just thought, uh, thought she was beautiful. And I had this, and so Christy. She's nagging you, is what they call it she today, was, right? Absolutely. She was absolutely. It's very nagging. attractive to be yeah. nagged. She was nagging me, and, and it got worse. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. But okay, okay. Christy was, Christy was a, f- a good friend of mine, and Christy did the thing. She, and Ke- she was dating Kevin, my best friend, but she really cultivated me. Because she loved to be friends with her. Wait, well, you were like her Eliza Doolittle. Was she like? Mm. Was she grooming you? 
Well, sorry, that's we don't say that anymore. Well, she was prepping you for something you didn't know what. She was getting you ship shape and, and doing some Eliza Doodle do a little shit on you. Well, she wanted to, you know, she she wanted uh, the inside information that I could probably provide. Uh, okay. Uh, about her boyfriend, except we were all sixteen. There wasn't any. Hmm. There wasn't any inside information. Drama doesn't need to be smart to be drama. There you go. But the other thing was that Kevin was not a dramatic person. Kevin was like a very solid person mm-hmm. and Christy was dramatic and she knew that I was also dramatic. Just, you <laughs> could, you know, you just knew I'm dramatic. Sure. And so she could get into intrigues with me where Kevin, it was harder to get into intrigues with him. Like he would do, he would, he would do dangerous stuff, but he was not somebody that was like, he wasn't a gossip. He wasn't a, a, mm. um, he wasn't dramatic, right? He wasn't theatrical. Mm-hmm. And I was. So she she had this relationship with me, this side relationship that was, you know, like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what she said. And I'd be like, oh, what, what, what? Tell me. Mm-hmm. That she couldn't do with him. But so she said, look, Maureen wants to go out on a date with you. And I hear that you can drive. Hmm. And I was like, because of course I'd told Kevin, uh, I'd, take, I'd taken Kevin out in the car, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. out on the airport. So I was like, well, sure. I mean, you know, yeah. I and uh, if she wants to go somewhere that has black ice, that's fine. Well, I, no. I, I can handle that. I never met a, I never dated a single girl in Alaska that was impressed at all when I put the car into a four-point spin. <laughs> they were, they were all Yeah, but like, you know, parallel parking, doing a good K-turn. Yep, okay. These are all True. kinds of things that to this day, if somebody nails the parallel parking on the first try, I will absolutely say something. A well-executed K-turn in a tight alley-like mm. area, you know you're getting a compliment from me. That's right. And I had, at this point, this was winter, I was developing some of those more advanced skills. I had yeah. not yet become the, the driver I would one day be. Mm-hmm. But because Le- legendary. of that time, mm-hmm. legendary driver, uh, that was also the time when my dad would sometimes say, I have to go to Washington, D.C. I'll be back in a few days. I've, and, I've checked the odometer. <laughs> no, he, but he never did, of course. You know, the, the, He left the keys to the car like on the bar. And, uh, and he was like, ah, I have to go see the senator about a thing. Counselor. <laughs> And then he would disappear. You know, uh, he would fly to Washington D.C. or I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe just, he just leaving took, leaving the Audi unattended, and he seems incurious about what happens to the Audi when he's gone. Well, and he didn't even lock his doors, right? I mean, this was the '80s. My yes. mom locked her house at least. My dad never did. Hmm. And so, so Christie's like, Maureen wants to go on a date with you, and I was like, I can get the car because my dad was in Washington D.C. So I went and I took the car. And we drove around all night, Kevin and Christy in the back seat, kissing, and me in, and Maureen in the front seat, Maureen negging me mm-hmm. the entire Hot. time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, looking back, clearly trying to get me to kiss her, mm-hmm. and me going like, uh, well, you know, want to see what happens when I pull up the emergency brake on the, in the movie theater parking lot? And she's like... Uh, you know, like you're, you're such a, a little dumb boy. monkey. <laughs> you're such a little boy, and I'm like, "What do you mean? Would a little boy be able to do this?" Screech. She's like, "God, you're so annoying." And I'm like, "Yeah, well." And actually, Maureen, you are. Here's, here's you're annoying. Thing. 
that I didn't mention about Maureen, her father was a lawyer and he had an office downtown and oh. years later in a, in a much later episode where Maureen was trying to get me to kiss her mm-hmm. and I was missing all the signals, mm-hmm. we actually went down to her dad's office in the middle of the night What? and we went down into the basement of her dad's law firm, which was once I got down there, I realized that he was like, he was like the head lawyer of a five person law firm and down in the basement where they kept all of their law books, there was an entire shelf that had every issue of playboy. What the fuck? All the way back to the Marilyn Monroe one. You found the carpenter's cup, my friend. It was all of them. Holy and they were shit. organized in those legal, uh, those little, yes, those little absolutely. organizer like, boxes. I know what you're talking about. Yes. <gasps> John. They had the dates written on them. Oh, dates. And we got down into the basement of her father's law firm. There was a, a big couch there. And she sat on the couch. And I stood there in front of this wall of Playboys. And it was the, it was one of these moments where I was... 17 and I had the girl that I had been pining after for four years at that point, mm-hmm. sitting on the couch in the middle of the night in her father's basement, a her girl, father's business a girl to whom you are attracted, who nags you and you're missing. This, she deliberately takes you to her powerful dad's law firm basement where she knows there will be arguably one of the most impressive things that you could show a 17 year old boy. Right. And, and, and a so, couch and a couch where you could sit and look and at them together. Here I am like the boy or the man, which am I? And I'm oh, just in front of this wall. Time will tell. Jesus. And I'm like, I just want to sit and look at all these playboys completely missing that. And, and then she did a thing that I've at the time I did not understand at all. Now, of course it's going to sound like duh, she was like, I don't, you know, those playboys are dumb. Like, come sit here. Uh, like, d- why are you messing with those playboys? Like, don't, yeah, yeah, that's my dad's playboy collection. It's totally gross. And I was like, uh-huh. right, but I mean, he has every issue. Like, he has the legendary this issue or whatever. And she starts to tell me a story about her brother and how her brother was in an accident. And, and she started to cry. Oh, boy. And so now I'm sitting on the couch Again, half my attention devoted to this wall of playboys, half of it trying to figure out why she's crying Mm -hmm. because it didn't seem like the story warranted the crying. And I, at that point in my life, do not know how to comfort someone who is crying, Mm -mm. have never, I don't think ever given anyone a hug. And very few people mm. had ever hugged me at this point. This is, this, John, I'm, I, if this story is accurate, and I have to assume it is, th- there's a lot of intense feelings. You know, like you used to talk about like in, uh, in like eighth grade science, they talk about, you know, uh, what is it? Kinetic energy and potential energy. And like, th- there's so much potential energy and a fair amount of kinetic energy. This is a very emotionally overwhelming experience, the way I'm hearing this. That's all. You're dealing with a lot of different, you know, kind of balls coming at you here. It was extremely confusing Uh and making it more confusing. When I think back at my life from the time I entered fifth grade until now, prior to fifth grade, I think of myself as just like your average American kid who was cute and smart and knew how to ride a bike and, you know, 
and had heard the battle of new Orleans on Mm -hmm. AM radio. Like I was, my parents were divorced, but I had a, uh, I had a bowl haircut. My hair was the color of straw. I believed in, um, I believed in the U S orbs. You know, like I, I, you can I, manifest I, an could, orb. I might be a wizard, but I was regular. <laughs> yeah. And you then could, when I, you could pass <laughs> when I was in fifth grade. Uh-huh. I, yeah. Right. I could pass. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe because I was born on Friday the 13th that meant I was a wizard, but, but mm-hmm. I still, that was not that weird in the seventies. That's what Robert Plant thought. Yeah. But Pr- proud Ariane were, were my will to sustain. Yeah. I, I moved in with my dad. I started drinking tab. I like things had changed. It became 60. <laughs> but there was, there were, there were three periods between the age of, uh, of 11 and 30 where I felt like I came into my own for a brief period. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was, I could come uh, into my own several times a day, but, but not that way. But like no, I was, no, I, sorry. I became, I became briefly beautiful you know, you like become I more, think you become myself, more self-possessed. Like you, you had an idea, you had a mooring to something briefly. Well, but that, but also like, like there were a couple of times where I went through a growth spurt and all of a sudden I looked different and, mm-hmm. and felt different and carried myself differently. And then I kind of settled into that level of, of grown up, And I started to be just a sort of, you know, I started to get disgusting again and then I would grow a little bit more. And then it was like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. He's what, where did this like, young okay, so so that perf- that that Western State the Hurricanes performance on uh, local access where you have I don't know it looked like a haircut was shot out of a t-shirt cannon at you and you're wearing yes. puka puka shell a puka shell net necklace a choker right. even right and yes. and a real silly grin and you're you're yes. kind of dressed you're kind of dressed like a golfer's uncle yeah is that right. which period would that be a period like that that was that was actually immediately after a period where I was briefly beautiful. Okay. Um, and then the haircut kind of uh, cocked up that whole deal, huh? Well, and just Those like bangs the are pretty high, John. It's almost a tonsure. That was, that was right after I first started cutting my own hair. <laughs> and I didn't realize that what you did, what you didn't do was wet your hair, comb it straight down and then cut across <laughs> your eyebrows. You don't realize it kind of seizes back up a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I did. I made that you mistake can always once cut, You know twice. what they say? That you can always cut more. That's what they always say. That's, and that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, those bangs were really high. That I, I didn't. That, <laughs> but the necklace, my God, few, the necklace. There were a few. I mean, that was uh-huh. during a period where I was wearing corduroy uh, bell-bottom jeans because my <laughs> girlfriend Megan worked at the uh-huh, at the right. store that sold, resold old jeans. She was the, she and was what, the jean whisperer. Yeah, and so she would find these Levi's white tab bell-bottom cords and sell them to me on a discount. And I was like, these are never going to go out of style. Bo Bo looked great. Michael looked great. Stephanie looked great. And and you, I don't even know if you look a scallop. You're more, you're more like a, like a, I want to say like a, uh, I don't know, like like a clam with a Rickenbacker. Yeah, clam with a Rickenbacker is kind of Mm -hmm. what I was. But right right prior to that, I'd been very beautiful. When I was dating Laurel, I was just a picture of beauty. And then later on, there was a little bit of a period there in in the uh, middle of the long winters where I had it all together. And then I screwed Mm -hmm. it up. I cut cut my hair too short. You look great for a while. Some of those early ones really in your, um, your, uh, was it uh, magnet, chick magnet? Your chick magnet hat era. I think you had a real good look. And you had the jean jean. You had the Canadian tuxedo thing. And you and Ken Ken Stringfellow looked like you were lifetime companions because you both dressed in jean jeans. But then you, then you, 
you look at me in the uh, Fire Island, Alaska music video, and it's all gone to shit. There's I a I picture you like holding a, my daughter, and it looks like a Yeti that like tried to yeah. bite into a boulder holding a baby. Oh, but prior to her being born, there was that yeah. whole Bruce Valanche period where it was just like, <laughs> why, you know, like <laughs> yeah, you're doing, yeah, yeah, you're you're doing a lot of uh, what do they call punch up. <laughs> Yeah, once you have a beard, Bruce, never shave it again. You're right. But he so, had that yeah. same haircut that you had in 1999, yeah. but just on a, on, a, on a bigger head, probably. He did. He did. And it was yeah, redder. Okay, so but I'm sorry. In, I've, taken you, way, moment, I've taken you way off this. I apologize. In that moment with Maureen, I yeah. was maybe the, the, at the peak of my teenage beauty. I was, oh, it was summer. I was, I was lean and I was tan and my hair looked right. And that night... I was wearing, wait for it, Kevin Hornings. So at East High School, they had a huge bin of red sweat, like sweatpants and, and hooded sweatshirts mm -hmm. that had numbers on them. Okay. And when you joined a sports team, you went into the locker room and the coach issued you, reached into this, this pile and issued you a sweatsuit a red hoodie with the number 42 on it and matching sweatpants that on the left leg at the top of the left leg, it had the matching number. Was 42. this how your number was determined by what the coach pulled out of the sweatpant pile? Well, you only, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you got these sweats, even if you were on the tennis team, like even if you I didn't see. have, okay. it was just, this was your, and I think if you were a football player, you were mat, your sweats probably matched your number. Yeah. Um, I never was on a competitive sports team in mm -hmm. high school, so I never had a pair, but Kevin, oh God, was he, did he ski? What did he do? No, no, no. Kevin was, Kevin was a kid. He, he went, his parents lived in Inglang when he was in third and fourth grade. Okay. No, no, no. When he was in fifth and sixth grade. So when I first met Kevin, he had already heard the police. Oh shit, dog. Because he'd lived in Inglang. Whoa. Like Kevin lived in Inglang in 1978, 79, and 80. Whoa. So he was, and then his parents moved him to Alaska, which was just like, okay, so you, you basically went back in time 10 years and also. You go from, uh, you go from London calling to being at the high school where you don't even get Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's so Kevin shame, was. John. Jesus. He was more sophisticated than I was. He's also like almost a year older. But so Kevin learned soccer, but he learned soccer <laughs> in a way that the rest of us who played soccer on the youth team, mm -hmm. you know, where we're just like playing for orange slices and pepperoni pizza. You're saying for him, football is life. It, well, it was. Mm -hmm. And so Kevin could already in seventh grade could, you know, keep a ball in the air on his knee and go from knee to knee and bounce the ball up and head it to himself. I bet he could do a rainbow kick. I, I bet he, he could, could do that real showy stuff, uh, like the teppanyaki of uh, football, soccer, you, he you could. call it. And he did the thing that, that some kids do that I never did, which is that he would go out in the park and practice just with the soccer ball. There's a kid uh. in this neighborhood. I drive by him all the time, and he's out in his front yard, and he's, throwing, he's shooting hoops. Good for he's him. He's always by himself. He's yeah. by himself. He's an Asian kid. Hmm. I don't think he's ever going to make it in the NBA. He's not, he's six foot tall. You know, he's not Maybe like he can make it in the Asian tall. NBA. <laughs> he's out there. Not anymore. <laughs> he's out there shooting hoops like hmm. four hours a day. And I don't know whether it's because mom and dad are arguing or whether, I don't oh, know, but yeah. he's not smoking pot and playing video games. He's yeah. shooting hoops. And Kevin was always in the park. 
dribbling, that freaking Work, Working on his skills. He was working on his skills, and that's working what he called skills. them. That's what he called them, Merlin. He called them his skills. He called them his skills. He's, he's out there. Yeah. You know, like some people say practice, some people say rehearsal, right? Are we rehearsing or are we practicing? Like you practice scales, but you rehearse, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Right, yes, and in his rehearsed. case, he's he's out there. He's he's practicing. He's practicing. He's put he's putting in the uh, putting in the woodshed. You know what I mean? You practice scales, but you rehearse skills. I really admire that little little tool shed where he made us suffer, sad Satan. Well, and I was all, and he would do that thing where he'd stand there with a soccer ball, mm-hmm. and he'd be, just be kind of rolling it with his foot, and you're talking to him, mm-hmm. and he's standing there rolling it with his foot, and he would just kind of roll it out there, tempting you mm-hmm. to try and take it away from him, and. Eventually, of course, you're a teenage boy, a guy's moving this soccer ball around right at your feet. Mm-hmm. You would fall for the temptation and try to take he this ball He might as well slap him. you with a Frenchman's glove. It's exactly what he did. He might yes. as well slap me with a, with a herring. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as... <laughs> 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 he... He finished, you know, he would, he would put that ball out there. And, and as soon as I took the bait, he could see it in my eyes that I was going to try and take the ball and he would always do something with it and I would fall on my face. But Kevin took that soccer playing ability. He, he was the star of our soccer team and he joined the football team his senior year and, and became the kicker. And we had a, uh, our high school had a championship football team. And so Kevin his senior year without ever having played football before, uh, American football. This is, just he, to be clear here, this is in the early days. Nowadays, you get all kinds of wackadoo sports people doing things in other sports. But back then, the idea used to be you'd have a horse muleman. Horse muleman would come out. One time, he, he had a field goal in, in Cincinnati. He got three points from over 40 yards away. And that was a gold standard for years. Then they started bringing in the soccer boys. Those slender, those thing. narrow motherfuckers who've been practicing their skills brought to the game of football with two O's. And our football team was, they were state champions for like four straight years, but they had a hole in their roster in the form of a kicker. And they missed right. a couple of key field goals yep. the prior year. They, they always Kevin, say special teams. It really, every game comes down to who puts more points on the board and also special teams. Right. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I think, I think I'm remembering this correctly. He actually waltzed into the coach's office and proposed this to the coach. He didn't get, he didn't get drafted. He went into the coach's office and said, Hey, you missed a bunch of field goals last season. Okay. Uh, We're not so, we're not so different. You and I, I get it. Okay. Want to see a guy that can kick a field goal. Yeah. And so he was on the, he was on the winning team. He got a, he got a letter jacket with like state champion football on it. Consequently red sweats with numbers that are, that are Kevin's. That's right. Kevin actually in the championship football team picture uh-huh. at the end of the, the winning game, Kevin is like up on their shoulders in the yearbook. Home, they, home they, they carry him shoulder high. He's like a John Hausman poem. What was it? Was he 42? Do you remember? Oh, I know what he was hmm. because he went in to the, the bin and I think it was one where the coat, I don't know what happened, but he came out uh-huh. with the, Sweatshirt and sweatpants, number 69. Fuck you. Now, these sweats- No fucking were, way. They had, they they had they said, a 69 that a boy was yes. allowed to choose? Yes. And it said East High, 69. <sighs> and then the matching pants, 69. That's like something you'd buy with fake wear and tear at like anthropology or like urban outfitters. That's and unbelievable. These sweats, 
these sweats had been made in the mid seventies mm-hmm. or sixties. Oh, and when they, they were real been, thick, like real dense. When you get real good, oh, they were like super, thick, super dense. Oh, and the they best. had been, it's almost like felt. Been, yeah. It was like felt. And every year you would get these sweats issued, but then you had to turn them back in. They didn't belong to you. You turned them back into the coach. Yeah. So for Pro- property, property of East high athletic department, probably, probably for a decade, or more, these sweats had gone out, some kid had been number 69, and then he gave them back to the school. And Kevin, in the in the crazy, the mania around the football championship, at the end of the year, he kept his East 69 sweats. Can you imagine if they'd had, if those, if those, those poor bastards, they didn't know, if they'd had more exposure, you know, you represent a new, a new uh, wave, you two, like back then, they didn't know from 69, because you know why, but they hadn't looked at Wii Magazine. There's a lot of stuff, they didn't even know to make a joke about that number and say nice. They just took their sweats back in like a cuck. Took their sweats back, or maybe they were like, oh man, I hate to give my sweats back, but duh. But the thing is, it was senior year, the championship game, and then somehow... You know, football was a fall sport. So he had those 69 sweats his entire senior year. I don't know how I don't know how he got away with it. But those 69 sweats were so prized by us all. And and we would we would steal them from him. Mm-hmm. And then one of us would have the 69 sweats for a few months. Yes. And then he would say, I need those sweats back. Yeah. But on this night at Maureen Irwin's father's law firm's basement. I was in a moment of 17-year-old beauty and wearing the bottoms of the 69 sweats. Oh my god, John. I had everything that night. It was it but, was all happening for you. Only problem is like a, a sweat like that as dense as they could be may not give you a lot of um air cover, you know, for the boy oh. down there. Well, but that's, you know, at yeah. this at that moment, yeah. like the problem was I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to mm-hmm. comfort Maureen in her fake crying about some story about her, her brother. Yeah, I didn't know how to be in a room with her in the middle of the night uh, in a room full of playboys. I didn't know. We, I, was dry, I was riding her around on my Vespa, and mm-hmm. I ended up – we went to a pancake house. I did not kiss her in the basement. We went to a pancake house where we – sat across from each other and she just ruthlessly negged me because Ugh. at that moment, you know, she had set that she'd orchestrated this whole thing up. Let's go to my dad's office. You know, I'm going to pay attention to you. That's the thing. But negging me hard. Negging and, but you hard, but like, hard. What, would you, what would you give for three minutes being negged by Maureen today? The problem is it, she got, it got hard. She okay. was naked okay. hard at this point, and it wasn't uh, fun she anymore. Cross the line a little bit, cross the line. Yeah, and it was like yeah. two o'clock in the morning, mm. and it's a very vulnerable time to be nagged. We shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. you know. What we should be is we should still be on that couch making love to one another. Yeah, um, it it ended up being a a, a very disastrous night. Oh, but it's certainly memorable. It was well, in the worst possible way, because Maureen, mm. after this, like sophomore year of college we're back in anchorage and kevin and i are talking on the phone and kevin's like oh guess what i was like what he was like i hooked up with maureen Irwin." i was like you did not and but i had to play it off like oh cool you you took you took his pants he took your maureen and then because kevin was much more successful teenage boy than i was and a year older it must be said a year older and the rest of that summer he dated Maureen Ugh, Jesus. and Kevin was somebody that loved 
he did not like to go to bars with a bunch of people. He wanted to have a small group of people just hang out together and play pool in one of those bars on the edge of town that nobody goes to. Oh, you can't hide in a situation like that. So he would set up these events where it was himself, his girlfriend, Maureen, me, and like two other people playing pool. And Maureen would sit there leaning on her pool cue, eyeballing me, laser eyeballs, and negging me the entire time. And then Kevin would like, after he'd hit some, you know, after he'd put the eight ball in the corner pocket, he'd walk by, give her a kiss, and then, you know, and then look at me and say, rack them. It's in the way that you use it. You got, you know what? You fucked around and found out, I believe is what happened. I did. God damn it. You could have made a fort out of law books. You could have, I mean, there's, oh man, but like it was too much, too fast, too hard, too basement, right? I mean, like that's a lot for you to have to grok in that moment. And I bet you, I mean, in retrospect, top of mind, why is she fake crying about her brother must have been kind of consuming. And what do I do about this? And I still, you know, and that's the thing. People ask me where the music of the long winters comes from. Yeah. Hmm. Where was it coming from, John? It was still trying to unlock what I should have done Mm. in the basement of her father's law firm. Like, what the hell was I supposed to do there? It's Mm -hmm. now perfectly clear to me, but it's only perfectly clear because I spent 12 years writing songs about that moment of confusion and camouflaging that story uh, beneath uh, uh, like like a, a facsimile story about a diamond heist. Interesting. So I'm seeing uh, Michael Schilling's face covered with ice cream while he's tied to the other band members. You, you're gonna, you're in a chair, but really, that's not about spies and diamonds. Mm-hmm. And the blue mm-hmm. diamonds, by the way, I, I guess are not Viagra, which I always assumed it was. But no. okay, so so that's the All- situation. You're wearing the John Lennon glasses. You stumble a little bit coming out of the subway. Yes, and, and then and so that you're working out your uh, your, your your moment in the in the law basement. If you'll notice, there are uh, there are quite a few Long Winter songs where the theme is a smarter and more uh, and more wily female character yeah. is a betraying, abandoning, or otherwise um, otherwise like sort of uh, tossing away the kind of culpable, hmm. hopeful innocent, dumb male character. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the female character is the protagonist of the song. I'm talking about blue diamonds. I'm talking about cinnamon. Yeah. Uh, and the, but the narrator is the dumb Kevin, Mm -hmm. except in this case, me, the dumb dude who cannot figure out exactly where he should have zigged when he zagged oh god you play it over and over it's like it's like your coach making him watch a highlight reel all the time your dick fell out it's all and there i Not am a good in way my, in my 69 sweats sitting you on that couch in her father's yeah. basement and she's like my brother you know gotta be on his math test <laughs> hold me do i remember like, where i saw her uh, last yes i remember all too yes. well thank you yes yes hmm. anyway you can't, you can't redo a lot time. of that stuff you know that's and now you're stuck with it you know, you're stuck with it. It's like the same Ted Lasso. Remember what he says to, uh, not Jamie, but to, to Sam. He says, what's the happiest animal? He says a goldfish. So they got a 10 second memory. And then they pull memory. that back together. No spoilers. They say we should be like a goldfish. And I got to tell you, like a lot of shit on that show, it hit me harder than it should have. And I realized I should be a goldfish. I walk around a lot of my life. You knew this from the moment we met. You, the moment we met. And I worried whether Ken Stringfellow, the vampire man, was hitting on my wife on the Bay Bridge. 
which yes. I think he was. And Absolutely. then, and then I, and then the thing is though, that I walk around feeling like I basically have a little bit of PTSD all the time. And that's because I have not learned how to be a goldfish, John. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah. And that, that was true about you then and now, but I, you know, it yes. was one of the things that I loved about you when I immediately met you because, you know, hmm. yeah, uh, it was, it is a thing that it, it creates that tension in you that makes you, um, not interesting, but, no, but, not interesting, um, but yeah, but no, but I mean, it's not the thing about you that makes you interesting. You're interesting in a I, ways, I, but it's I, the thing I, about uh, you that makes you, I don't know, yes. vulnerable. I one think, I think the, the, the one, one doesn't say losers. The, uh, I think the, uh, the ones who didn't win can sniff each other out a lot of the time. Oh, I see what you're saying. You get, you yeah, big, you I, get big, you get boisterous, you tell a good story, yeah. you laugh along, you know, uh, you know, white sauce, not a problem. You get some bits. Right. And, you you know, win later, goofs. maybe, but is mm. it enough? Is it enough? I hope so, John. I really do. The second sweats. time I found, <laughs> the, the second time I found uh, forest porn. Oh, woods was, porn. Woods porn. Woods porn. The second time I found woods porn. Yes, it was the first time my mom let me take her car unsupervised when I was fifteen. What were you doing? And in the Tony woods? Hine. Okay. I was driving around the neighborhood at two miles an hour because I didn't want to get in trouble, and Tony Hine flagged me down, and he said you've got a car, come with me. And he took me into the woods, not in the car. I parked the car and ran into the woods with Tony Hine. Mm -hmm. And there was a garbage bag, a hefty garbage bag <laughs> full of the dirtiest porn you ever saw. I, somebody, I would not want to touch that bag. Somebody took 50 oh. porno mags, uh -huh. put them in a garbage bag and lugged them into the forest and left them there. And Tony <gasps> this Hine, is a different kind of woods porn. That sounds oh, to me yeah. like somebody's made a choice, you know, maybe for the Lord or similar, or maybe That's a lady exactly right. in the house found them. I think a That's bag exactly. that big, that voluminous of porn that dirty is somebody who's trying to turn a corner. They're trying to do a K turn for their life. You see right through it, Merlin. You saw through it instantly. Who would do that? Why not just throw the porn in the garbage bag in the garbage? No, right. this is symbolic. There yeah. Yes, there was a symbolic deposit of this porn in the forest. It's like putting the moth in the throat. Or, you know, like, uh, you uh -huh. know what I'm talking about? You uh -huh. know what I'm talking about? Moffitt. Yep, 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 yep. And then you get to get some help putting a couch in your van, you know, and I think it's very symbolic. There's so, Everything's a symbol. And the thing about Tony Hine, crazy, <sighs> middle, of, middle, middle brother of three brothers, mm -hmm. he's... A, in this forest by himself some for some reason, and B, finds a garbage bag and does not immediately think it's full of body parts, or maybe does think mm -hmm. it's full of body parts, because mm -hmm. I wouldn't put that past him. He's a he's a surgeon now. He's a middle, middle child, you say? He's a middle child. And oh, he's, and he's a, a he's surgeon, a so he's doctor. a tryhard. Okay. And he's, uh, and he's down, he's actually down, he's part of the corona response team down in El Paso. Mm. Uh, but he, Dr. Hine opened this garbage bag, which I never would have done. Mm -hmm. I, I, if you, if I saw a full garbage bag in the woods, I would turn and run. But garbage Tony bags, like, sure. garbage bags everywhere rarely contain good things because it says oh. it right in the name, you know? Yeah. It's, I, you know, it's going to be somebody's dead dog or it's going to be somebody's, you know, like, right. a, like a dismembered uncle or whatever. Well, they say he got opens found with, it a, with a, with a, a dead girl or a live boy. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, that's no good. That's no good. But did you think of, he kept any of them, like from medical school? Well, no. Well, this is the thing. He said, like, it's full of cherries and all this other stuff. Cherry. And he was like, "Get your car." Oh, and so, <laughs> so okay. I, because this is a garbage bag, we could never have carried this bag. It weighed, <laughs> it's it weighed my mom's car. 120 pounds. My mom's and so we been in the car. <laughs> we lift up the garbage bag. The two of us, yeah. we put it in the trunk of my mom's car. <laughs> 
Yeah, you and got a hundred pounds of porn. Hundred pounds of porn. Hundred pounds of woods porn. Holy shit! We drive to Tony's house mm-hmm. and we sit in. We we pull up next to the house in a way that Did we're not visible from the street. And we organize them. Yes, yes. No fucking way. We organize oh my God. them into what we de- what we decided was two equal piles. Equal in every sense, both the uh-huh. same height and also containing the same, containing, you know, all of the different variations. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and I think Tony maybe was a boob guy and I didn't want any of the boob magazines or yeah. something like that. We made them into two piles, his pile and my pile. Okay. Then he carted his pile into his house and it went in there. He has two other brothers, so I have no idea where that stuff Did went. Did you get to keep the bag? The bag we put in the garbage. We didn't want the bag. How'd you get fifty pounds of porn into your mom's car? If they don't so then asking. I had my I had my porn in the trunk of the car, and then mm-hmm. I came home, went into the garage, you know, had the remote control, Ugh. came in, said, "Thanks, mom. You mm-hmm. know, it was fun. Everything's fine." Put mm-hmm. the keys in the in the handed her the keys or whatever. Put them in the dish. Yeah, and then knew nobody's going to look in the trunk. Oh my god. Waited until the sun went down, waited oh, till everybody went to bed. I hate this. And then in the, I'm 15 at this point and I'm yeah. no dummy. Well, okay. went and, and then loaded in the porn in the middle of the night. And, uh, and then of course that woods porn was the, was the 15 through 18 years old okay. porn. The very like, well, seminal porn. 